On episode 204 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to transform your mindset and play your best tennis with Jeff Greenwald. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hello, hello. This is Mirban, and I'm back for another podcast episode. I hope you're doing really well and staying safe. I've been getting to play a lot more tennis lately. Being back from vacation for uh, a weekish now, and um, just practicing with some really good level players and playing some matches. So it feels great. Uh, But today we have an episode with Jeff Greenwald, who is an internationally recognized sports psychology consultant. He's a licensed psychotherapist, and he's the author of a best-selling tennis psychology book, The Best Tennis of Your Life, uh, as well as Fearless Tennis. And so Jeff has been helping athletes and professionals through his personal coaching, seminars, books, and audio programs for the past couple decades. Jeff is also a great player and was ranked number one in the world in the men's 35 age division. Uh, and he's won some great titles as well. Uh, he's a two-time ITF world champion and former ATP tour player. And so with all that experience, I figured it would be great to have this episode Feature Jeff. And so with this one, which we recorded uh, a little while back, um, he is going to uh, answer my questions as well as questions from the Tennis Files audience. So I think you'll really enjoy it. uh, And I'll touch upon a ton of questions that I'm sure at least some of which uh, you have had before or have right now. So without further ado, here is the episode with Jeff. Jeff, uh, just first off, you know, we, we were talking earlier uh, today and you mentioned that you have actually, you know, you, you don't just teach, uh, you know, all this great information on the on the mental game, but you also, you know, you're out there competing and everything. So talk to us a little bit about your recent uh, tennis exploits. Well, yeah, it's certainly interesting. Uh, great to be with you, Mirvan and everybody. Yeah, uh, that uh, I um, can apply and try to apply what I teach uh, and um, experience it still, right? Under pressure, in the heat. I just came back from Palm Springs, the national uh, Wilson World Classic. Uh, I played in the 50s um, and 100 degree heat, some altitude, family watching, you know, had to had some pressure and had to to dig deep and bring a shovel with me and and dig and use a lot of tools. I definitely use a lot of tools. I didn't lose a set. To, to win the tournament, but I had four, seven, five sets and uh, I had to um, find a way. And, and it's, you know, we don't always go out and, and play our absolute best. Sometimes we have to find a way um, when we're at even 50%. I was probably at 50, 60% the whole tournament with the exception of the finals. Uh, and um, I hadn't played in a year and a half a tournament. And I think a lot of players were in that boat and probably resonates with folks who, haven't um, played as much in tournaments and then you go in and you have that experience. So uh, we certainly can talk more about the pressure and the nerves and what to do about it. Yeah, I'd love to actually unpack a few things there because there are quite a few elements we can talk about. So first off, you know, you had family and friends watching uh, that can cause a lot of pressure on players. I know that did for me as well, you know, when I played um, juniors college. So how, um, how do you deal with that? <laughs> well, it, it really depends on on the moment, on the uh, situation. Um, is it fatigue? Is it a loss of intensity and focus? So, I think a lot of the big challenge for a lot of players is uh, is figuring out what actually you need in the moment to adjust. Because um, uh, you know, and that t- does take some time. But but the more aware you are, the better. And so, 
um, I'll give you one kind of example. I was, it was a really, it was a big moment uh, in, in, I think it was the quarterfinals. I was down five, two and, uh, and I, I did change my game completely. I actually started serving and volleying and, and so forth. So I changed my tactic, but there was a point there where I started to pull out a lyric from Bruce Springsteen, which I had done years ago to distract myself from thoughts and even some tension that I was feeling, which has worked really well in a pinch in the past. But <laughs> my brain was like, yeah, really? Are you that in, in uh, dire in dire straits that you need to pull out the, the Bruce Springsteen lyric, right? It was sort of an interesting moment where that tool, I was like, yeah, that's not going to work right now. Um, and I have a number of different tools that I'm able to, to, you know, um, to, to use depending on the moment. Um, we can talk more about those, of course, that the different things are in the finals. I probably use 10, 10 different things. Uh, I was up six, one, five, Oh, and he came back to five all in the second set actually. And I was able to win at seven, five. Uh, the first practical tip on that is from my book, I say momentum is with you if you think it is. So he's roaring back, playing well, five, one, five, two, five, three, five, five. And I said to myself, because I felt like he certainly had some momentum in a way, but I said to myself, only if you think he does. If he thinks he has momentum, if the, the people watching thinks he has momentum, but I don't think he does, then does he have momentum? Not really. Momentum is, is, a, is a, an event, but it, it only exists if you think it does. So the mind is very powerful. If you can tap into some of these things, and I'll share in a little while another moment that I had at 6140 that I think would be pretty interesting for folks. So we can come back to that if you like. Yeah, sure. That's that's fantastic, Jeff. And it's uh, <laughs> we already have a, a bunch of questions here. So let me try to scroll down uh, here. Oh, Gordon has some nice comments about fearless tennis here. Um, so Adrian asks, what do you think of players like Murray taking notes to the court? Would you advise it to junior players? What should we write on them? Yeah. In fact, um, interestingly, the uh, TV camera caught Murray's uh, notes. And, and maybe perhaps Gordon or whoever is, is writing in on that um, is, is referencing that where the camera came in on his journal on the bench and it's uh, and the number will guess what the number one thing was. Mm. Uh, be have present. Fun. Oh, okay. Have fun. Yeah. Have fun. Enjoy it. Right. It was interesting. And, um, and, and so what I teach players to do is, is go out on the court with two intentions before they play, you know, have two, two goals. Intentions are more things you really want to execute on things that are really important to you. Uh, beyond winning and losing, obviously you want to win. You don't want to lose. Da, da, da. We all know that, right? But the brain goes there, right? It's just in the future and what's going to happen, what people are going to say and all that. So the intentions are helpful, kind of like a rudder in the water, if you will, uh, a way to stabilize you, bring you back to these intentions. For example, uh, deep breathing between points. Sitsipas was talking about recently his breathing in Novaks, of course, did a great job you know, in, in his game to, to work on his breathing pattern. So you can have breathing as an intention. You can have you're really prioritizing your focus. That focus is going to be the thing that you do out there. And so you're focused on the ground and the ball and the strings, all these external cues to keep your attention. Or it could be a, a tactical intention. You want to get into the net. You want to first strike. You want to be consistent cross court. Take a backhand down the line every now and then, right? So you can have a mental intention and a tactical intention or two mental, however you like. But the having notes, having a couple things, you don't want to have too many things, which is part of the problem a lot. Too much information, too many you're trying to do at one time, shoot yourself in the foot. So keep it simple, but keep them very targeted. It's part of your building process, your game. What do you want to go on the court and emphasize and keep your attention on those uh, intrinsic um, uh, factors and, and not so much the score and all that. So brilliant. Thanks for that, Jeff. And so kind of a step-by-step -step question, uh, obviously we can intersperse questions. Uh, at what point, you know, when you f find out, 
you know, who you're playing, at what point do you start the mental preparation? Because I want to see, you know, at what point do we start prepping and then what should we do? And then, you know, as we progress into the match and during the match, what we do as well. So when does the mental preparation begin for you? So I, I in my CD of years ago, I talked about, um, you know, that it really begins a few days before and certainly the mm-hmm. the, the day before where you're 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 hydrating obviously and you're staying present you're doing things all along that are that are getting you in the position to be in your best state right and that could be massage and so forth whatever those the things your body needs and so forth but but uh outside of you know the things you have control over your your diet and and so forth that you know uh, the morning you wake up i like I, i think it's really important to get present you know, feel your feet on the ground and really just try to be present through the day, through your meal and not rushing. Rushing is the kiss of death when you're playing tournaments. So you really want to time everything well. Agassi talked about that a lot, uh, how how important time was and controlling what you can't control. Everything was just, you know, and that's just, you know, there's enough sort of anxiety and, and so forth for players wanting to have a good result and so forth that it's helpful to really take control of these things. So, um, getting present, doing some stretching in the morning, some breathing, getting your nervous system sort of in a relaxed state and staying as present as you can. Do your routine, whether that's getting your blood going on the bike or some jump rope or whatever that is. And and then I like to, you know, um, 15 minutes, 20 minutes before a match, put on some headphones. I, I'll do some relaxed breathing. I'll do some visualizing a couple minutes picturing myself playing loose, aggressive, hitting my forehand, um, which of course I did at night a little bit too, going to sleep, picturing the shots that I want. And and then um, really going in with the blinders on. When my eyes are focused, and for me, that's one of my intentions, when I'm really, really focused, because I tend to look around a little bit, uh, I get distracted. Uh, I, I try to bring that in. And uh, when I do that, I'm successful with that. I play usually very, very well. Um, so I think we all have certain little triggers or, or things we can do that um, can can really keep us, bring us into a, a good place. And sometimes we have to refocus and get back there. But but uh, yeah, so those are, you know, it's a buildup. And then certainly before the match, I think we leave too much on the table if we don't do some sort of breathing or visualization or some music. I like to listen to the same tracks each time and Guns N' Roses I like. And, you know, for, for the match, it's just kind of a trigger and it, you get associated with it's go time. So, yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for that great summary. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of the, the preparation that you mentioned, which was uh, brilliant, you know, is there a difference in how you suggest people prepare based on their personality types? Like, do you vary in of any of what you just mentioned or do you add certain things or subtract based on the personality type of the person? Yeah, so, I mean, people who are, uh, you know, introverted a little bit and um, like to be by themselves and get rejuvenated, get energized by being by themselves, you know, to to be too caught up in in conversations and and distracted, that's going to be, it's going to feel like players are really pulled out of their comfort zone. So, so I think it's important for introverts too, to, to really take this time for themselves to recharge and get ready. I think people, some people who are more extroverted and 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 get energized by people and um, and, and can actually play better or be more focused with some distractions. Um, that um, you know, ha- having somebody you 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 know to talk to can sometimes relieve the pressure. So you know, certainly that on the top, on the highest level of the game, they have a team of people and 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 there's there's conversation there. But it, it, you have to really manage your energy at tournaments, especially. Um, and before, because y- you can easily get pulled into all kinds of places mentally and emotionally. So I think knowing yourself in that regard um, and what, what energizes you, what helps you sort of focus quiet time and, and so forth uh, is good. So to, I like to, to be pretty pumped up actually when I play. So I have a high intensity level. I like a lot of arousal, actually adrenaline. I really like it. And so, but some people get really, really affected by that adrenaline and and they need more relaxation. I can listen to heavy metal maybe or get really pumped and it and it's I, I take that energy with me and it doesn't it doesn't uh, sort of uh, restrict me in any way usually. 
Very cool. Jeff, and kind of a, a follow-up uh, question here on that, uh, on adrenaline. Uh, Gordon asks, how does Jeff try and use adrenaline uh, that competition induces? Yeah, so, well, I think, you know, I think of uh, adrenaline and energy, nerves, it, it, you know, it is energy, right? And if you think of, of, of pipes that get clogged, you know, if, you, if you're trying to get rid of the nerves and wish they weren't there and, and getting negative about the fact that you have the adrenaline, if you think that it's going to make you play worse, all of that sort of storyline can really get in your way. And, and so, I mean, nobody likes to be on a college scale to 10, 1 to 10. Nobody wants to be before a match, eight, eight, 7 to 10, 8 to 10. You certainly don't, you know, it's not, it's not comfortable. Right. But, you know, if you're at a, at a four or five, six, even if you do happen to be at a seven or eight, you know, to, to learn to be okay with that and, and accept it and smile and know that, believe that it will, it will gradually reduce. But the more we try to stop it, restrict, hold back, play safe, block it, we get trapped. And this is where a lot of players get trapped because then they're scared to miss and it's this vicious cycle. So when when I feel the surge, when I feel all of that energy, and I do have a, you know, I, I, I definitely feel the arousal, um, I, I'll channel it. I'll make sure that I'm channeling that and, uh, and, and using it. So I'm hitting through the ball. I'm letting myself hit through it. And, and, and I'm giving myself permission to miss too. I mean, part of it has to be, right? And this is, you know, easier said than done, I know. But you have to be willing to, to miss long. Um, missing the net a few times, even if you to the willingness to let that a- adrenaline come through you through the ball and let it start flowing as opposed to the restricting. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Appreciate that, Jeff. Uh, Gordon also has a question which I may add on to it, but he asks, How does Jeff think he is playing now compared to his prime, uh, making allowances for being ring rusty on competition? Although you're not, uh, you know, you've been comp- uh, competing. And then, you know, I can add to that as well. Um, if there's any changes that you made uh, on the mental game side, uh, you know, uh, compared to mm. years ago. To to how many years ago? Oh, just compared to... Um, many years you ago. Know, couple, yeah, many years ago, yeah. Um, so I'll just say that, um, and I hope this is inspiring to folks that... that I really do believe everybody has their best tennis in them. And, and that, I mean, I'm 54 and uh, I, I'm technically in the 55s this year. I can play, but, but, and I, I won the forties at 52. Um, and, and I, I have to say that I've been a bit surprised over the years physically that I've been able to move as well as I have. Um, but what I think has helped me move well and helped me stay relatively injury free, which is so important over time is that I've been um, prioritizing being loose when I play being loose, physically loose in my upper body. And that was probably the biggest epiphany I guess I had coming back from, you know, when I um, years ago, when I started playing men's open and seniors, I uh, recognized that when we're looser, and more engaged in the process and truly genuinely not uh, obsessing over the outcome or yeah, fixated on that, that, that you can play looser and more aggressively and therefore hit deeper, harder, more consistent and win more. And there's this sort of what I call the upward spiral when you're willing and you have the courage to, and of course you need the game, the shots to be able to, execute a, a good extended forehand, you know, where you can really release it. Um, but I think we all hold, hold back too much and we, we protect against these errors. Right. And we know this. So I would say that the answer to that would be uh, I'm, uh, let's say not including this last tournament. Cause I was half the player I I've been for two decades. So I, it was, it was sort of miraculous that I could find a way to win playing uh, at, at that level, but um, but up until then, I'd say that I've been, I, I would I've said I would beat myself in college or even probably on the pro tour um, at 
in my early fifties still even, um, cause I'm just more willing to step in and it's so important to me. And I hope for folks that what matters so much is how is the, how we do it. The, what happens will be determined by the, how, how willing we are to step in and release it and miss a few and recognize that we only need 51% of the points roughly to win the match. So, which I did not know before. I wish I had when I was younger, if I had known that I might've um, done a whole lot better when not thinking I had to win every single point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Jeff, uh, the statistics are really amazing and eye opening. Um, so how do we stay loose and being willing to to go for it because you know a lot of times we'll start off um loose and relaxed and everything but then you know all of a sudden at a critical juncture then boom you know we just get tight and then we want to play it safe and then it's you know it's a even if you win the match sometimes you have this like not a great feeling like oh you know this person gave me the match almost so how do we stay uh stay uh, aggressive and going for it yeah it's a great question and i might have answered that a little more from an ivory tower before Palm Springs, this last one in that I, I, I felt loose quite often, but, and, um, but I felt tighter down there and it was, a, it was humbling to feel that tension that you're talking about. Um, and, and so I, I'd answer it in a couple of ways. One, whenever the outcome, whether consciously or unconsciously becomes so important, and you might be telling yourself it's not as important, but, but, you know, deep down, I mean, I had my family there and, 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 you know, there were things, my dad, my father I hadn't seen in a year and he was very excited to watch and have me win and so forth. So any, and he, you know, there's a history as a junior player with him. So I certainly had my trigger, but, uh, and, um, the degree to which you can genuinely prioritize being loose and focused and tactically executing your specific patterns, the things you want to do out there, you will be in a much better position to play looser throughout the match uh, uh, as a whole, right? Um, you know, that, that, that sort of mastery process versus God, I hope I win. And what will people say if I win or lose? Right? So if you genuinely can sort of, um, go in with the passion to execute on those intentions. Uh, you're in a much better place. And then when you get tight, if, and when you get tight, um, the acceptance of it is very, very important. The typical response is, Oh no. Even if you don't say that in your head, there's a genuine feeling bad. This is bad. I don't want it now. And you feel like you probably can't make the ball in the court. You feel like you're probably going to miss. Um, and and so and that's disconcerting, you know, where the confidence disappears because your arms feel tight, and your feet may be getting tight and or, or or stationary. And so, to think that you can crack a return of serve successfully kind of disappears a little bit there, like you said, right? When you get tight. So A, there's an acceptance of it instead of fighting. That's really important. Okay, like it is what it is. It's there. The thing that has helped probably the most in all areas, always mentally, is taking your focus and taking it off yourself and putting it onto something else, your target, your opponent's shoes, a, a, a leaf on the court, the tree outs, anything you can do externally because what the in, in instinct is to get consumed with the tension and feel it. You don't like it. Wish it would go away. Okay. Now we got to protect. The brain is saying protect back off. God forbid you hit long, you know, and hit, so you have to uh, shift your focus externally. It helps a whole lot, almost as if you're sort of toggling to a new channel instead of the tight, protect channel it's the it's it's your mind is sort of neutral if you can sort of practice this get it to something external and with the commitment and coming back to your intention of hitting through the ball uh you know 
That's really helpful. I have some other ideas. It's in my course, obviously, um, which folks can certainly go on my website and, and get if they ever want to, but fearless tennis course, but, but, uh, there's ways to train being loose as well. You can sort of train the feeling, get more accustomed to it, more familiar with it and call it up. I'll give you one more example. Something I did before the finals, which actually really, really helped. I watched a two minute YouTube video of me playing in La Jolla, the hard courts playing really well, two minute in the shirt I was wearing. And I, I played loose there. I was aggressive moving the ball around. And when I was in the finals here, I guess this was two years later, I pictured myself at times playing in that shirt, the feeling I had when I played that finals. And I was able to uh, replicate that, that feeling actually uh, quite well. And, and I think that really helped a lot in that match. Yeah. Beautiful stuff there. Um, thanks for that, uh, Jeff. So we got, uh, a, well, we have some questions here, obviously. So Riyadh has one that I think you, you kind of touched upon. Let's see if you have anything else to add to it, Jeff. So, Riyad asks, how to be loose when you are tense and then uh, loose physically or mentally? So any thoughts on, on that? So it's, it's physically loose in your hand. Uh, so the loose is shoulder, hand, you know, so there's an upper body where you're releasing and there's a sort of flow and not restricting and tensing. We tend to contract when we hit the ball when we're tight. And it's it's uh, sometimes it feels like a leap of faith to do it, but we we have to loose loosen the grip a little bit. One way to do that, you can tense and release on the court. You can literally squeeze your grip really hard, really tight. Go go to the back fence and release. Maybe do that two or three times to get the contrast between tense and loose, tensed and loose. And you do that, and that can sort of help you physically because it's not, getting yourself to be loose mentally when we tell ourselves to be loose or tell ourselves to relax it's like as i the fox guarding the hen house you don't want the <laughs> fox guarding the hen house but like um it, it and rafter rafter said this many years ago he told himself to get to get loose and he got tighter he said well maybe next year i'll tell myself to get tight and maybe i'll relax <laughs> you know when we tell ourselves to do something it's sort of the command right and uh and so it's more of a physical uh, entry point of of getting ourselves physically more aware and uh, and dialed into that feeling. Excellent. But then get your focus off yourself. Get your focus off yourself. Yeah. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For sure. Yeah. I mean, Josh says, amazing tip about refocusing externally. Thank you. Uh, it's great stuff there. Um, Gordon says, great answer on comparison of current standard and the past. Inspiring and, of course, hard to play um, during these times. No, He says, there are no ITF veteran co competitions in Great Britain now. So that's definitely a rough situation. Um, so Gustavus says, uh, how do you keep from playing down to your opponent's level of play? So that's a very common issue that occurs. So what do you think, Jeff? I hear I've, I, I hear this a lot. In fact, a tennis magazine just interviewed me on the on the idea of playing somebody who you quote feel like you should beat. Right? I know everybody can relate right. to that. And and um, you know, I, I come back. That goes uh, in the frame of. Um, uh, playing the game on a different, in a different dimension or from a different perspective mindset. Like I'm not saying, I mean, winning, winning feels a whole lot better than losing. Losing hurts a whole lot more than winning feels good. I think a lot of people would probably 
say that or, or perhaps agree with that. And losing can hurt. Um, and, 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 and no question, I, I experienced that uh, over the years. But when you realize that, um, in my view, we don't take our wins any, you know, with us, like gold balls and so forth. I don't know. I just feel like it, it fades. Um, the wins fade, then there's the next one and the next and so forth. And not that it's not important or, or feel, feels great during the time. Absolutely does. And I know there's egos and so forth, but I'm more of a fan of, um, of, of trying to play your highest level, trying to tap into your, um, what you can do. Now that also means, of course, you need to exploit your opponent's weakness and find their backhand probably, or, you know, be patient and aggressive, you know, combination, but, but that you, um, play your game on your terms. You're in the driver's seat and you want to hit forehand cross courts and down the line, pull the trigger down the line, do it. You want to, you know, and, and how well can you focus that day? How loose can you be that day? Um, like how present can you be? And if your bar is around those things you control, the things that will actually help you win, it's a different game. You're not out there 30, 15, darn it, 40 love. And now it's that, you know, you're not as hooked into the score and being traumatized by the score the way you would because you're you're really genuinely engaged and interested in other parts that will help you actually win so it at a certain point it just makes a lot of sense to do it that way yeah certainly does so uh, awesome uh jeff we have a good amount of questions here so let's see um jay look if you're internally focused and intense but loose how do you show it externally I'm often told I look uninterested and bored by others in tennis and other settings when I'm fully dialed in and excited. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, it makes me think about a great question, by the way, but uh, it makes me think of Sampras um, and how his demeanor uh, for the most part uh, versus Agassi makes me think about a little bit of maybe Roger, not quite, and, uh, and, and Roger and, and Rafa, perhaps, in that there's differences in the, again, sort of introvert, extrovert. I'd certainly put Sampras more introverted, Agassi more extroverted. Um, but, you know, we all have sort of our signature arousal levels, intensity levels, temperaments are different, as you said, Maribon, earlier. So, it is important to find our own concoction of cues and focusing points, um, preparation that, that match what we need and, um, and, and to show, to show your intensity, to show that you're pumped up. That's other people saying you should do this or you should do that. And I wouldn't listen to them if they tell you that you should do this or that. And, um, and, 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 and sort of know for yourself that you are in a good place. You do feel dialed in, have your intensity and you don't, you maybe you're, maybe you're not a fist pumper. Um, you know, I, I know when I have used the, you know, fist pump at the wrong time, it can, it can actually make you more anxious, but doing it at the right time for you, if it's for you, you know, it's just a natural thing, but yeah, I just wouldn't worry about what other people think you should do. And, and, and stick with the sort of emotional um, balance, intensity, and so forth that feels good to you. Thanks for that, Jeff. And actually, uh, kind of a follow-up question on what you mentioned about the fist pumping. I'm, I'm curious because I had a, a teammate in college where he was playing somebody and he did a ton of fist pumping and yelling like in the first couple games. And then he quickly got, you know, beat really bad. And I felt like he kind of expended all his energy. So I'm wondering, how do you manage your energy levels and, you know, the fist pumping and, and getting pumped up at the right times? It's a great question. And um, I, I, I think it is a, it can be a slippery slope if you come out of the gates too hot, too emotionally high, um, and not even enough because what goes up may come down. And, and relatedly, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll share what I played in. I was in the finals of, of La Jolla and the men's 40 hard courts a few years ago. And I, 
I remember coming out and playing the first game. It could have been one of the best, if not the best game I've ever played. Two aces, two first serves, first strike forehand winners. He didn't, he didn't win a point and he didn't um, touch the ball other than two returns. And <laughs> I was up 1-0 in a heartbeat and, I, and, I, and it, the bar was so high that it made life more difficult for me. And I just think that this all or nothing binary um, um, place is, is, can be, can be tricky. So you better to build, build, let the, let things build, let the fire build a little bit, build the point, let, let, you know, settle in. Um, You know, there certainly is something to be said for players who can come out hot and, and especially at the highest level of the game. Right. But, but uh, I think that staying more even keel, positive, even keel present with occasional celebration on a particularly um, uh, good shot, you know, that you hit, uh, you know, it's kind of a natural gesture sometimes. And I, it's nothing I would force really. Um, but some players may feel too muted and too introverted and they need a little bit of grunting they need a little bit of extra demonstrative physical gestures so it, it is something that can be uh cultivated but that's with conversation and looking at your successes in matches how you look and and then matches you didn't play so well and are is there anything physically there you're doing in terms of gestures like that and, and interestingly i'm i'm working on a project in that regard, really looking at the emotional, the profile of players and uh, between points and things. Uh, yeah. So that's, uh, that'll, I think yield some interesting new data, but anyway, yeah, I think it's personal again, you know, that's the thing with the mental aspect. It's, it's uniquely personal and awareness is super important. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's why, uh, you know, it, it's preferable to get a, you know, very experienced mental game expert like uh, Jeff here to to figure out what's going on with you and to help you. So um, let's see, we've got JM who says, I find a quick workout 30 minutes on a row or a bike helps diffuse my pre-match energy and reduce anxiety. So that is a, a very cool to see. Um, yes. Let's see. Yeah, uh, 30 minutes is pretty substantial too. Uh, let's see. So Gary asks, what percentage of playing t- and i'm sure you get this all the time jeff what percentage of playing tennis is mental in your opinion i've heard people say it's even up to 80 percent or more does this mean that we should practice more on improving our mentality versus our strokes yeah i know i um so some jimmy connor said 95 percent, and 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 there's the it, it's the mental aspect you cannot um avoid it it's 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 just um sort of the frame if you will around the your game so um without the mental aspect uh, as players know you could you could take lessons every day and and be really polished uh, but mentally you you get anxious you get negative you get angry and so the mental game is always important but if you don't have the technical uh skills if you pull up on all, on your shots, if you have the wrong grip or, you know, do variety of things um, technically, including in practice. Um, and it's not just a um, anxiety issue, nerves, mindset stuff. Like you don't have that stroke yet. It's going to be very hard to be confident, right? On the return of the first serve or second serve, you know, you need the technical proficiency to a point, but if obviously you're, playing much better in practice, which happens a lot for players and matches, it's a distinct gap. Then the mental aspect for you is even more important. Um, And it's always important, but the strategy, the technical and the mental are all sort of need to be integrated and and thought about, I think, to get in a, in a way that's together, not separate islands. When you're, when you're deciding to take a ball down the line, that's tactical and it's also mental. You're making that decision. If you're doubting that decision and you're second guessing it through that shot, you're going to pull up, you're going to peak, you're not going to commit to it, and you're going to squeeze the grip a little tighter on contact. So the the mental aspect is always there and it's really getting clear about what do you need 
to feel looser, um, to be more focused, to go into a match and, and be in a good, good headspace. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. So, um, back to more questions here. So Gordon asks, uh, is it better not to engage with opponents during tournament play when they try to psych you out? Sometimes a smart comment back to them can deflate opponents and turn the tables question mark. So I'm not a big fan, big advocate of, um, you know, I, I, I think if you keep, um, pay attention to your side of the fence and, and do, you know, and, and do the things you, you want to do and, and build your game and so forth. I, I'm not a, I, I, I really like to keep the blinders on, do your thing, play your game. It's hard enough, you know, stick to your intentions and, and just try to improve. Right. And, and, and of course in that match, find a way to win, you know, find a way, adjust, change your know, tactic, change tactic if you need to. But, but I've, I've had people uh, try with me, on a few occasions to, um, to, to get me off my focus, you know, and, and I admit it's funny to me, you know, I, I smile, but, but, and certainly people, you know, the classic is, Hey, your forehand looks great. What'd you do? You know, what'd you do with your forehand? It looks amazing. And then they miss, they start missing everything. Right. Cause they're too conscious. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm more about do your thing, play your game, get better. Yeah. Good stuff. agree with that. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, what else do we have? Uh, Bruce, do you ever congratulate or acknowledge an opponent's good or great shot? Please discuss. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I am not a big advocate of this either. You know, if it's fun, doubles, singles, and it's just, you know, it, it's fine to, to do. If, if I, you know, for me, it, it pulls me out of my focus. I don't, I, I, look, I believe focus is very precious. I believe it's fragile and we all lose focus in matches and then we have to refocus. And sometimes that, you know, that refocusing is sometimes even more important and doing it, you know, um, sort of the right way and not too dramatically. But my point is that when we, anything that pulls ourselves out of our bubble, out of our focus, out of the seal, I call it, you know, seal, it, so I, I, but I will, if it's an amazing shot and I will, I will, I will, you know, occasionally do that. It, it has to, my bar is pretty high, so it has to be a pretty amazing shot, but I will get, I will certainly give it, give that to an opponent if it's that remarkable is a good point. Um, but um, I don't think a lot of, a lot of that is, is, is necessary a few times. Sure. Um, but it could also, by the way, take them out of their focus, maybe, you know, um, and, and maybe they don't like it, but, um, and the other one is sorry, saying sorry a lot to your partner, which happens too. sorry, sorry. And if I would just throw out, if you say sorry to your, your partner all the time, did, how do they feel? Then they can't make a mistake. Does it not allow them to make mistakes? And does it send the message that mistakes are something to be avoided? So that sorry thing too can become uh, a, a little bit over the top for, for some people, but, uh, yeah, those are just a couple of thoughts on that. Thanks, Jeff. And so follow-up is, I mean, what is the proper way to react or communicate to your opponent? You know, if say there's a sitting forehand that, you know, you feel like maybe you should have made and you missed it, or it was an important point. So what's the, instead of saying, sorry, what's the proper uh, way to respond? Well, I, I think I would rather, um, I mean, it'd be nice if the, if the partner actually said no worries hmm. instead of you having to be saying sorry all the time, it'd be kind of nice if the partner, you know, what you see a lot is immediately at the higher levels, they tap the racket. It's all good. No worries. Here we go. So the partner is the one to actually kind of deflate or defuse that moment. And, and so you don't have to feel guilty about it or anything, you know? So, mm. yeah, that's definitely preferable. So let's see here. Um, interesting one. So Richard asks, bottom line, what do you believe players should get mo the most joy out of the grace and beauty and the dance of playing at a high form level or winning? The dancing, the dancing and, um, 
I think that's what I think that's what will last in a way. I mean, when I think about, I mean, there's I, certainly there are matches that I think back to, at, not so much, but occasionally, you know, where um, I did something in that match and that could have helped me win that one. Um, it's yeah, I don't do that a lot. I think when you have a balanced life, you you know you you don't tend to maybe go go back and and obsess over certain losses. But I know when I played full time, losing was incredibly painful. Um, so and I know everybody has their a different relationship to winning and losing, right? Everybody's a little different in that regard. I, I respect that. Um, I've um, and so. You know, I, I guess I'm sitting here saying, yeah, you know, I've won, I don't know, 15 nationals and two world championships. And, um, but, um, you know, I feel like I could have done better on the pro tour uh, at the time had I had some of these tools, no question about it. I don't know how high, but I would have done a lot better. Uh, and, and being able to teach this now uh, because I've had to struggle myself that's gratifying. I get to speak to folks like you and, and share some ideas that might be incredibly useful and help you enjoy the game and win more too. And so I guess my answer to that is I'd go for grace. And I guess the caveat is I think the grace will lead to more winning anyway. So, but I, I go for grace over the, uh, the gold ball that, uh, you know, gets dusty. And, but you know, if you stepped in and you had your level and you felt good and you were loose and, you know, you played pretty well under pressure and you managed it and took some great deep breaths, came back, got it done or put up a great fight. And it was a great match. That's, that's, it's hard to get much better than that, you know? Yeah. hundred percent, Jeff. Um, just curious, you know, when you, uh, have gone undergone a period as I assume you probably have at some point where, uh, you know, you go on a losing streak and you maybe do lose a little bit of that joy that Richard talked about. Um, what do you do to get yourself back on track and motivated and happy to play again? Hmm. Yeah. That, what people call slumps, right. And that's yeah. easy to get caught in that rabbit hole. Um, I, I think it's really important to use that as a uh, opportunity to reflect on what the mindset has been to that point, what has led to those losses. And, you know, is that an opportunity to actually learn more and uh, maybe some reflecting you wouldn't have done had you won half those matches because you're doing pretty well. You won five, you lost five, whatever, but you went through a really hard period and most athletes, most, uh, successful athletes have gone through some really difficult times, uh, whether on the court or off the court. Um, the stats are incredible on that, you know, so we learn more through hard times. We, we get stronger, we can find a renewed spirit. And so I would say, you know, can we get back to being curious, you know, curious about um, a few things that you want to really prioritize, you know, getting back to, you know, how free are you on the court when you play? How focused are you? Do you know if you're focused or not? You know, um, I had a question just the other day. I love this question of a junior player said, Jeff, how do you stay present in matches? That was the first question. And I answered and I said, well, you know, um, 80% of the time you're, you're, um, you should be um, not really thinking about anything, but just focused externally and using the court and your strings and not really and 20% of the time, tactically adjusting, maybe reassessing, maybe um, reviewing a, a shot to, to do it better the next time. Maybe it's a little cue, technically even, maybe something simple. But if you're out of the tactical 20% or adjustment, um, and if 80% of the time you're, you know, you should really be kind of a neutral mind, not thinking, you know that you're then, anytime you're thinking about your brain is that you're actually in your head, it's probably not productive. Um, so I got a little off track, I think, but um, uh, where were we on the, um, what was the question again? Oh, no worries. Um, it was just basically trying to find your joy again. The, the Yeah, find the joy. And so getting curious about 
you know, uh, those, those parts that will lead to better success, right? So being more aware, tuning into your tension level, how loose are you in fact? Um, I talk again about the one to 10 and just playing around with these dials. I have focus, loose and intensity. And those are my three dials. And, I, and you want to get better at tuning those, those dials into the right frequency, right? Uh, and if you don't like dials, which I, I like because it's not all or nothing, you're focused or you're not, or you're loose or you're tight, you're somewhere in between, right? You might be playing at it. I played my whole career at a six tension, you know, on the loose dial. Three, four is really loose. Roger, maybe on his good day, three. Rafa's at a five, maybe six, I say, but we all have our potential. So tuning into these things, these dials and being able to change the channel, if you're on that outcome channel and what are people thinking about me changing that channel and getting better at that. And that starts to be something you control and adds, I think, uh, joy and creates more of a project. Tennis becomes more of a fun project than a measure of how, of your self-worth. And, um, you know, status and your own ego, right? So that's the battle that we fight, uh, or, uh, and hopefully win ultimately, you know? Yeah. Those, those latter three are very dangerous there. Don't want to have those associations. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. so for sure. So, uh, Steve asks, what would be the most important factor to be able to play in matches as well as I play in practice? I would say, walk in the door through focus walk into the and if you if you walk through with that that narrow focus narrow soft focus on the relevant things ground strings target etc uh and and you are um loose those two, you know, again, the dials, the focus, loose, intensity dials are to me, when you're hitting the tennis ball, if you can be focused, loose and intense in matches, you're going to have a good day. That's how I came up with the three, as opposed to 10, 12 different qualities, you know, enthusiastic and, you know, um, it, it, and just um, having fun or confidence. You get confident when you have the ability to drop a little tension. You You become more confident when you're focused on what somebody might be thinking about you when you're playing and you refocus back on the ball and your tactic. You get more confident when you realize you're getting a little flat footed, you're, you're, you, you weren't moving as well and you jump around and you get your intensity up, which will actually increase your focus too. When you get better at these, uh, these adjustments and your confidence will rise, right? Because you have control over yourself. You're an instrument, you're controlling your instrument. And so, um, focus the, the three dials, but focus is the doorway in and being loose. Ultimately, when you hit the tennis ball, um, you know, if you know what you, where you're hitting that, that ball and you're decisive, I think you're going to play very well, you know? Yeah. hundred percent, Jeff. Great, great stuff there. Uh, Jerry says, I guess staying relaxed is key. I always hear have fun, which keeps you relaxed. It's good. Yes. Um, good comment mm -hmm. there. JM, uh, says, as soon as you acknowledge a bad or good shot, you've taken your head out of the game. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. Sure. And to add sure. to that, Marvin, and the mm -hmm. I, the the enjoyment, you know, it's so general, right? But if you truly are enjoying it and look forward to the competition, it goes a long way to helping you be looser in matches. And that's the bit, you know, we we get tighter because we want an outcome that's not determined it's uncertain so the enjoyment factor is huge no question yeah yeah 100 percent. thanks jeff uh and we do have a hard stop everybody at 4 30 so a couple more questions here uh let's see so uh riyadh very good one how to be competitive when you just want to have fun i love tennis and i play for fun but most of the people that i play with turn it into competition and i really don't like this hmm interesting Kind of a yeah. battle there. Yeah. Um, yeah. This... I know this comes up and and um and so it's I mean obviously there's the the obvious question is, you know, are there other folks that you could potentially play with and you like who take it a little bit more casually and, and that's um something you probably already have thought about and don't have access to that perhaps. Um 
but I, I guess, you know, um, I, I come back to, it's sort of like setting boundaries, your own boundaries on the court mentally for yourself. I mean, if you, can you enjoy um, playing? Can you enjoy inherently the returning and serving and volleying and working on a couple things and, and, and trying to play at your highest level, uh, enjoying that. And, and I don't know exactly what, you know, if these folks are like, you know, um, trying to hit you with the ball or they're, they're, you know, getting in your face or what, but obviously that'd be over the top. So, but, but, you know, I think everybody gets to do what they, they, you know, to, to, they, they're responsible for themselves, you know, and, we can't really control anybody else. So we can just double down on what we do, you know, and what we want to do. That's right. hundred percent there. Uh, let's see what else we have. Um, so, uh, uh, Jerry says, Riyadh, I agree. And I have the same issue with friends I play with. It always has to turn into a match. Sounds like they're reasonably competitive. Uh, let's see. Christopher Polak, I really like the three dials. They're my focus during my next match. So that's fantastic. You're already getting great info here to apply. Um, Riyadh says, thanks. So, um, Jeff, uh, you know, after somebody listens to this, uh, this great session and all the great information you've given to us, uh, what do you suggest in terms of next steps for them to take to put it into practice? So I'm well aware that, um, having this conversation uh you know i like to think that i have some really specific stuff that that can make a difference for you my hope is and um but i i'm well aware that that we all have our history our you know experiences winning and losing in the past and 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 those matches can come up in your mind and you can lose confidence quickly at times and the, the nerves just creep in really really creep in or they they hit you like a ton of bricks either way um you know, our nervous systems react and um, some matches mean more than others. So I guess I would just say, you know, um, work at it like you would your forehand and serve and really like um, take some of these tips and, and apply them and, and journal a little bit about them. How did that work? Um, so you can start to build your own personal uh, performance plan, right? your mental performance plan. And, and the, the course I have is a two-part course, Fearless Tennis, on my website. And that um, goes through these dials and it, it teaches, it has, a, has worksheets and it's very organized, right? Video, audio, worksheet, action item for the week. So two hours of that step by step by step, right? Focus, loose, and intensity. So I think training that would be helpful. My book, a lot of people have said reading just a few different chapters, picking up the book and reading a chapter that they felt they needed that day was really, really helpful to them. Uh, that, that's another way to go. Um, and, um, but just keep, be curious, you know, apply some of these things and, um, and, and do them and, and, and see how they work. Smile when you feel tight, accept it, accept the tension a little bit rather than fighting it. You know, the last thing I'll say when I was up 6140 in the finals of the national fifties two weeks ago, I had a voice that came in and it said, Jeff, you're playing too well. You can't keep this up. <laughs> and the voice was from, I hadn't heard that kind of like nasty voice in since juniors or a long, long time ago. I was like, wow, you know, okay. I'm like, no, I got this. And it was like, no, 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 you don't. Wow. It was sort of like really pesky. And I, I'm, and I was like, okay, <laughs> we can do this. We can do this. And it just quieted. It was really interesting just saying, we got this. I brought him onto my team. So that pesky voice, if you have a negative critic, we all sort of do various times, bring it on your team. We got this. You have your intentions and, and let that adrenaline come through you and, and keep focusing. And, and uh, so, so the, those are my final, my, my parting words on that. It's, it's work at it. It does take practice and time. So it becomes a little more familiar, a little more accessible when you're actually playing the match. Wonderful stuff, Jeff. And yeah, as you mentioned, you know, you've got some great books, The Best Tennis of Your Life and Fearless Tennis, uh, and, you know, some great programs as well. Um, so, Jeff, where can uh, everybody go to check out uh, what you have uh, in store to help them with their mental game and reaching the next level? I think the first thing would be to go to my website, fearlesstennis.com. And if you just put in your email, you're going to get back a free PDF of, of, 
the mastery mindset that I've been talking about and the outcome mindset that we're also, we get so absorbed in winning and losing and, and it, and you, you, so that you're going to get that and that's a start and you'll get a few follow-up emails as well, um, helping you through the beginning part of this. So you can kind of become part of my community. It's free, no charge. And then if you want to do more ever, you know, you can reach me through the website, fearlesstennis.com. So, yeah. All right. I really hope you enjoyed my interview with Jeff Greenwald. Uh, I really enjoyed recording this one. And I just hope that you can apply uh, some of the information that you listen to today to your game so that you can play your best tennis through these mental game tactics. And if you enjoyed this episode and if you enjoy the Tennis Files podcast, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the show. And you can do that on Apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice that you use to listen to the show. And I'd like to leave you with a quote, as I often do at the end of the show. And this one is from Jim Rohn. And Jim said, success is something you attract by the person you become. Love that quote from Jim. And with that, uh, yeah, I just hope that you uh, keep playing tennis and practicing and uh, trying to improve a little bit each day. As we all know, that adds up to huge gains over time. And, you know, it may not seem like you're improving, but uh, after a while or at at a certain point, uh, breakthroughs occur. And so you just have to keep improving if you want to enjoy the game and reach your potential. That's it for me this week, and I look forward to producing many, many more episodes for you, knock on wood, and I just wish you the best, and we'll see you next week. This is Mirabon Iranchad signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.